July 14, 2019, it's a lot from Pedro Show.
Watch for Pedro Show. Happy Sunday to everybody. Brother Matt, not available. But we will see him Thursday, hopefully. And, uh, whoa, there's some kind of whistling over there. I'm, uh, what I'm saying is I'm here in my pad in Pedro, but I'm not man alone. Because through the wonder of those uh, engineers in Estonia with their Skype software, I got uh, Mr. Dan Franci from, he's talking to me from Brooklyn, New York today. Welcome aboard, Dan. Thank you. Okay, we start off the show with Dahomey Dance, John Coltrane, and then from you, Dan, we had one second, little song. It's longer than a second, but not a lot of seconds. Mm-hmm. What I want to know from you, Dan, what is your earliest musical recollection? Um, maybe something like listening to uh, the Beatles anthology that my dad had with my neighbors and jumping on the beds. So this was in your bedroom? Uh, yeah, me and my brother shared a bedroom, and there were two beds, and we jumped from bed to bed. Oh, and not bunk beds. No, no, they used to be, but we took them apart. And yeah, too many fall downs? I don't know. I think we just, okay. I think you could just do that with them, and we decided. Yeah, because all the cats I knew, like a Navy housing and shit that had bunk beds, top dude took a lot of blows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know what would have, too, because I'm restless. In fact, I ended up just conking, and I still do, I just conk on the deck because I roll all over the fucking place. It hurt my face too much. So you're jumping on the bed. So, and this is in New Jersey. Uh, yeah, yeah, Wyckoff, New Jersey. Okay. And so your pop. Now, is your pop? Does he play too, or is he just a listener? Uh, he definitely he plays. He kind of got me into it. What do you uh, play, Dan? Guitar. Okay. So there was a guitar in the pad. Yeah, he had a Tele from I think like '71 and a Martin acoustic from like '69 or something, and then those so were two years amp. He must have had amp for the Tele, right? Um, yeah, all this shit was actually his brother's that he gave to him because his brother crashed his car. I think he had he had a, a Music Man amp and a Ampeg amp. Okay. Yeah. And, and But, okay, his brother, your uncle, crashed his yeah. car and gave him this stuff, but your pop knew how to play it? Um, I don't know. I think maybe it started then. I'm not even certain. Okay. Just curious, what about your ma? Uh, she didn't really, no, she doesn't really play or More a listener, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um... What was the first record you bought for yourself? You see, I knew you were going to ask this because I listened to the show, and I was hanging sometimes out with I my forget dad to ask, though, Dan. Sometimes I forget to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was um, Puff Daddy, No Way Out, and uh, I'm not sure because my older brother and my older sister, like, we shared everything, so they had like records in the house. I don't know who brought home what, but I remember in second grade, my friend heard Puff Daddy. Um, in the family, no way out. And he went home and he called me and he goes, "Did that really just happen? Like, were they actually cursing?" <laughs> so that was the, that was definitely the, one of the earliest, maybe the first one I got myself. Uh, it's trippy because uh, I remember this movie performance and there's Last Poets, uh-huh. and I kind of said that to myself when I first heard that. <laughs> like, did, we were like, "Oh, they did yeah, that. maybe we don't hire this band for the wedding, or maybe we do." <laughs> Last Poets, incredible band. And a trippy movie, too, performance. There's a weird Rolling Stone heard. song on there, too, Memo from Turner, that wasn't really on albums. Uh, you, you were talking about school. What about school? Did you do uh, the band shit, like a uh, choir or a uh, marching band? Or um, I did a lot of shit like that. I did, uh, like, fourth grade, you choose an instrument. You played recorder and auto harp before that, which okay. was great. And yeah, there was people recorder... Recorder ain't a tape recorder. It's kind of a plastic flute. Right, right, yeah. And then uh, auto harp, 
was a strumming thing, but you push buttons to make the chords. That was cool. They had a few of those in the school. I don't know why or if that was normal. Do you know there was an electric one, Dan? My friend has one. Yeah, yeah. Like later on, I Do you know the famous one? The famous one was used by Rocky Erickson uh, on his uh, solo record, the evil one. There's a guy playing, I think it's going through a fuzz tone. Oh, man. So it acts like the kind of uh, rhythm guitar. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Oh, and yeah. then uh, uh, Greg Turner for Angry Samoans, he actually found this guy, the same guy who played it, and used him on one of his records. Oh. Wow, ain't that a trip. So uh, you did Recorder and Auto Heart. Did you move on to another so instrument? Then, so then, yeah, I guess um, then you do, like, fourth grade, you do a, an instrument. I did drums because my brother did drums already. What, do you have a trap kid at home? You have a trap kid at home? Um, he had a snare, I think. I think maybe around the time I also played, maybe he got a kit, like, around then. Uh, and then there was a kit in the house ever since, maybe, like, So what grade, were you doing like in that. the school band? Were you doing, like, classical music or, like, the jazz band? I don't know. It was, like, the orchestra, the main. There's only one of them. I guess it was, like... Okay. Classical. Yeah, yeah. So you're, like, like yeah. timpani and triangle and stuff like, yeah. Snare. You yeah, I didn't even have that much stuff because that was, like, middle school and then... Or no, that was elementary school. And then middle school, they had more stuff. But the whole time middle school, I was doing choir. Oh, okay. Because I, I had found the bass. So I said, oh, I don't need the, how, I how the did bass you, for me. Dan, how did you find the bass? So my dad played guitar. My brother started playing drums. I was like, all right, I'm going to get... My dad got me a guitar in kindergarten, actually, acoustic. I learned a couple songs, but it didn't stick. Yeah. And then and then my brother's like, we have to start a band. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll get a guitar. And then while I was looking for a guitar, like I found out what a bass was. Like I didn't know there was another thing. And it was different. It was like different than my dad. Our other friend Steve already played guitar. So I was like, maybe the bass is my thing. And that was um Very happening. Very happy. Fifth grade, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't I didn't find out about till like junior high and I, I didn't even fucking know what it was. I played a guitar with four string. D Boone's mod just said you're gonna play look, Dan, I wanna play stereotype here.
Pumpkins or trucks?
Show. We heard from Dan Francia, Stereotype, which I, I think probably anybody but a fucking seaman head could relate to. The invisible transvestite uh, predaling warship experience with Homecoming. Uh, Pat English after that brand new, uh, I think Poughkeepsie, or near there, up, uh, you know, up the river, Manhattan. Uh, Pat English with Action Painting. Uh, ex-postcard bass player. And John DeFreeze uh, with a uh, demo of Static, uh, you know, from the late great uh, Agit Pop, and uh, actually played with Pied English in uh, Postcard. Uh, brand new from Now, Leaves out of South London. The, the Mess Aesthetics, that's Joe Lolly and Brandon there from uh, Fugazi. Crowds and Power, maybe a current theme. A uh, guy by Voices, Cold Cold Hands. Always a current theme. Brand new from Unlux, Revenge of the Seas. The Mayan Revolutionary, hell yeah, last album under that title, Too Close for Comfort. And finally, Dan Francia with Come Back to Life. Okay, Dan. Um, what about the trip where, uh, well, you're, you, you already kind of mentioned, your brother said, we got to do a band. We got all the parts for a band. Let's make a band. So the first band you yeah, kind of yeah. do... Is in your own pad with your own family? Uh, yeah, it's me and my brother and our friend Steve. And it was, uh, we were called Sid, Steve, Ian, and Dan. Okay, so your pop didn't play in the band. Okay, okay. No, no, I played in the band with him later, though. But um, 
Mike, the Mesthetics? Yeah. You just played? Yeah. I just saw him like two days ago. That's good. Yeah, they've been doing gigs. Joe Lally wrote me. He's looking for a three-quarter scale bass. He says it's starting to hurt his hands. Holy shit, that's that's what I, that's what I'm doing. I don't like the short scale. I played your signature. I played a bunch oh, of short no, scales. Oh, like, no, yeah. Right you know what? He did say short scale. So we're talking 30 Three inch. quarters, though. Three quarters is like, like Stanley a th- Clark and those. those Three are quarter is a 32 inch. A, f- a regular Fender is 34 inch. Right, that's mine. I play a Sterling. Okay. And then they're staying. They made a short scale. It's 38. Okay. Now, those Stanley Clark, those uh, Alembics and stuff, they got big old necks because they got a lot of frets. <laughs> but they are 32. They're, they are a little shorter scale. But now I've I record with thirty. I record with thirty-four inches. But the gigs starting around 2000, 1999, I started hurting bad at gigs, and mm-hmm. so I had to move to the shorter ones. But when you record, or the way I record, I sit down, so it don't matter. I'm trying to get my hands on a thirty-two. I've never played one, and I'm thinking the same thing: some longevity issues and like. I, I never even played one, but not even there's inexpensive ones too. I've seen, of course, thirty two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of the in the middle. I say yeah. either do the short or do the long, and the way I do it is live, short, recording long. You can't hear the flabbiness live that much anyway, but you kind of can on recordings. Now yeah. let's get back to your uh, what was this first band with uh, Steve and your brother? What's your brother's name? Oh, okay, yeah. What's your brother's yeah. name? His name's Ian, so yeah. it's Steve, Ian, and Dan. Yeah, what'd you call the band? Sid. Ah! It's a, it's a yeah, it's an acronym. or some shit, yeah. yeah. Okay. And also, uh, no, those English guys, they, 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 they spelled it with a Y, huh? Like Sidney. Like Sid Barrett. Yeah, but you know what? His real name was Roger, but they already had a Roger in the band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you, have you read a fucking Dick Lloyd's book yet? Like it, Richard L says, you know we already got it, Richard. And uh, Dick I Lloyd, didn't, no, I didn't yeah, read Dick that Lloyd's one. like, yeah, I read it like two bo- two days. I, I, I recommend it big time. Combustible something. And uh, he's like, uh, he, he says Jimmy fucking punched him out. I mean, he's got some stories. But anyway, he told he said, yeah, this band's got two Richards. Like he was gonna change his fucking name. No, no way. Okay, so oh did you, uh, did this this band do any gigs? We played, uh, let's see, like um, school stuff. Like we would play the ball, the bands, or like yeah, the, talent uh, show. Yeah, well, one time they just had us play, and it, it was a homecoming in middle school, and they had us play just uh, in the gym. Okay. And um, let's. See, I don't know if we played anything outside of school. We probably played like three times. But that kind of band kind of evolved with people from home a lot. There would be people in and out of a band very like similar similar to that sure. for many years. Uh, but but I'm know. curious about that first band, Dan. Did you guys copy songs off records or did you start writing material right away? Oh, it was definitely uh, like Nirvana, Nevermind, um... Blink one eight two. So you're copying records, yeah. That's what me and D. Green did. Green Day. And, you know. So damn, when did you start writing songs? Uh, from I guess actually from the very beginning though that we did was we always had uh, original stuff that would sound a lot like what we were covering, and then um, right, right away pretty much. And I had a four track because my dad had one lying around, and we were making demos like 
right as the band started, basically. I was always a part of it and uh, ended up engineering a lot of stuff and just kind of kept doing that, not because I want to be an engineer, but because like we were always making records. You're talking about engineering a four-track. Yeah, yeah, and then I ended up getting a Pro Tools thing. But, uh, Computer, okay. Yeah, the beginning it was a What, what, was what a about after high school? Did you go to college for music? Not at first, but I didn't go to college for anything at first. And then I went to community college. Um, I went to Santa Monica Community College for a bit. You came out to Cali. <laughs> yeah, because like all my friends left for college and I was just home like 18 years old. Like I didn't do good in high school because I thought I was a bass player already, basically. So I'm not going to college. And then me and my friend were like, all right, fuck this. We could go to any community college in the country and just like enroll. Like you don't have to be good at school so uh we went all the way as far as we could go pretty much and then that's right <laughs> but that didn't last very long the end of the i-10 well yeah it's not the econo i would say <laughs> and um i took i started taking vocal lessons there and i was in the choir there at santa monica college and i started like oh, bitching. getting in getting into music courses there for sure and well, you know also back. on the campus there they got a fucking radio station kcrw Oh, yeah, yeah. I think they just moved off campus, but they were there for years and years and years. Yeah, there's some history there. Definitely a lot of people went through there and stuff. And so, cool. so what happened? How, how long in California? I did one semester there, and then I came back, basically because, like, my band, my girlfriend and stuff, and just, like, whatever, and, like, I was I was so young, I couldn't even go out. I was 18, so, like, it was, sure. and I was at community college, so it wasn't as easy to meet people. I was like, I'll go back, and then uh, it's kind of a long, long story. But I tried to get into NYU, and they didn't have, they didn't let me in. And they're like, come back in a year after you take some music courses. So I did that, and uh, one of those semesters I went back. Where'd to you do Monica it? Where'd you do it? Yeah. Some, Bergen Community College in New Jersey. Okay. And then they had this program, like Community College Opportunity Program, where they gave me a scholarship and helped me get into NYU, and I took. Two years there doing like music engineering stuff. The the, the side of like capturing music. Yeah, it's called music technology. It's mostly like music production, but yeah, but you're not music. Using, you're not learning harmony. You're not learning, you know, the kind of. No, uh, it actually was all that. It was a normal music. Oh, really? Bachelor's degree with, with all the performance people and everything, and then we also took like technical. Oh, okay, classes. okay, that makes sense because I I think. Having too much a divide between the technical and, and the artistic, yeah, I think people can relate to each other if they have a little a little bit of knowledge on both sides of it, right? I think the yeah, old you days of in. you being just a pure artist or a pure technician, those are kind of, it kind of limits you. You had to get in by playing an instrument, and there was another program, the Clive Davis thing, which was just like production, it wasn't the music stuff and like I don't know people didn't seem to get as much out of that but whatever well what I found out about school and Greg Ginn told me this a long time ago you get out of it but you probably put into it true <laughs> true and, and, and really here's the other thing I mean I, this is the whole point of my fucking third opera you're never out of the classroom life's a fucking classroom you know, that's where I first saw you. Uh, you were opening for Dinosaur Jr. at the auto bar during that tour right before you recorded that yep yeah, that was missing, yeah. man, but we weren't doing uh, uh, Hyphenated Man yet. But I like okay, that. Yeah. You're talking Baltimore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Jay, uh, 
God, just made a record with Jay and uh, Georgie. And a oh, poet yeah? from Toledo called The Un uh, Unknown Instructors. Yeah, the fourth installment. Oh, yeah, I heard, I heard that. And now, I heard Jay, that. I just heard from Jay. He's got a rock camp. What? And he invited Kevin. Yeah, you can learn guitar from Jay and Kevin. You know, uh, uh, Bloody Valentine. <laughs> and uh, somewhere in West Mass, I think. For, like, kids or for, like, anybody? I think anybody. <laughs> We're all kids, <laughs> in a way. <laughs> Just sure, sure. different numbers <laughs> attached to it. <laughs> so, so uh, uh, I want to see how this worked out, okay? Your schooling. Okay, what, okay. What happened? Oh, yeah. So, so yeah. So, that got over with, and um, I learned a lot. I met, like, a bunch of people I was in bands with for years and, like, started record labels with and played shows with this day. And all that shit, but I never actually like learned how to read music that well. And like you were saying, what you put into it, I got a lot um, out of it. But I was only there for two years, and it was really like challenging for me. I wasn't used to sure. working that hard at school. And, sure, but... Uh, but I made it through, and uh, some crazy shit happened. Like you know, API the recording gear. You probably yeah, of course worked on some. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, that guy. He was teaching everyone electronics, Saul Walker, this like legendary guy. But it was over everybody's head. Like nobody could follow this guy. And shit like that was happening all the time. I was like, oh God, I'm scared to even be here. Yeah, yeah. Int <laughs> intimidating. Intimidating. Yeah, but it was good. It was good. It all worked out. And um, I got a lot out of it. Yeah. Okay, when that ends, what do you do? Oh, okay. So I took out an extra like six thousand dollars on all my loans I had from going there and stuff, and um, I bought a computer with a new interface. And I was like, I'm never getting a job again. I'm a musician. Like, started making some albums, pressing them to vinyl, like losing all kinds of, uh, you know, money. Like, I press like a thousand vinyl. Everyone's like, don't do it. All those kind of mistakes you make in the beginning, and um, ended up, you know, like. Very soon after, I seemed to get a nine to five, and been working ever since. But just playing in bands uh, as well. On the side, okay. So you like yeah. compressed your whole fucking thing into this little shit. Yeah, yeah. Made the label and all that shit, and um, but now I try not to do that. Now you know, I, <laughs> I put things up on the band camp, right? That too. Yeah, yeah. Or you know, if I was going to do it by myself, I'd probably just do a tape nowadays, but. Cassette tape? Yeah. They're coming back, huh? I don't know. It's the one of the cheaper ones, and you get the download code. And it's God, still... from all the tours I've done, I've got like 10,000 sitting in these racks because that's how you listen to music on tour 30 years ago. What do you got in the band these days? A tape player or what? Well, no, you put the iPod through the fucking USB connect, <laughs> and there's right, fucking right, right. 8,000. So I got 400 John Coltrane. Right. <laughs> Look, we're at the oh, end wait. of the first hour there, Dan. Get, hold on for okay. hour two. It's a July 14, 2019 edition. Special guest Dan Francio. Hold it tight for hour two. July 14, 2019. It's the second hour of the Watt for Pedro show.
Why for Pedro show? We started the second hour off with For All Your Love by Dan Francie. Right, what, what's your process for songwriting? What do you start with, Dan? A music, lyrics, title, what? Uh, usually like a bass something, bass uh, idea. So it's a music, it's a music. Yeah, yeah, the, the lyrics, I've never been much of a lyric person, but um, sometimes I get in the mood for that. Usually when I'm reading something, I could I could get inspired by that, but mostly I, I like like to write mu- the more musical part. Yeah, believe it or not, not I always start with the title, because it gives me focus. Yeah, I like a concept. Uh, I guess it's kind of similar. I can't really be like, I'll just keep playing. I don't know what's good. Pertner, no one I talk to, Dan, does it that way. Most people come up with the music, then they fit words. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know who's different is a front man. He usually has, comes up with words. Uh, after For All Your Love, we had the healers out of Illinois with uh, Near Nothing. Then Darta with Agent. I think that's a concept down. Eiko Ishibashi out of Japan with Mr. Jim O'Rourke, Borderline and Shadow. Out of Cleveland, X underscore X with Transmography. The Frantics with You're Ill. I think, <laughs> I think the name of the album is My Old Man's a Goddamn Alcoholic. And then uh, finally, The Gold Mines out of Japan with Double Vision 2. I should have put those together. Some lame sequence and what. Uh, so, so, do you make demos? Demos? Like an idea. Because, uh, oh, on my phone all the time. Because, yeah. Okay, okay, because I'm wondering, you play a lot of your own shit on your records, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much, like, um... Because demos are usually to teach other people, but demos can also for memory and stuff, yeah. Sometimes when you're doing a more of an improv thing or you're working on a song and you demo it, then you learn a little something from it. And you're like, oh, okay, well, I could use that. Okay. Um, like working with my friend uh, Ed Kukin, who played drums on a lot of it. Sure. When we were first kind of getting the ideas together. And then I'd go home and I'd be like, wow, it sounds like better than I thought. I could, like, this is pretty good. Use that. So are you a guy who's got your leash uh, and then you're humming little melodies into it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, more so when I was in the middle of doing the album, and I, and I haven't been writing that much since. Uh, but I have some more ideas I'm coming up with. But um, yeah, I was going crazy on my phone, humming little things, and thinking I was going to forget every idea I had, like at work and stuff. And what about uh, collabs? I love collabs. Well, there, there's there's. 37 people on the album. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I, I, no, I was wondering, that's why I was asking you about this demo process. Is it sometimes to show the other cats, or is it just for your benefit? Oh, definitely. Well, well, when I showed the other cats for this one particularly, like, I would have the basic tracks done, usually. Oh, okay. And, yeah, yeah. And people would come over not even ever hearing any of it. Like, right, start right. from scratch. Yeah, yeah. So, first impression. Yeah, yeah, and there was a lot of editing and a lot of that stuff I couldn't use. Because um, they're just going play for it for the first time, right? People would do multiple takes, I guess, if if we were like... Right, but it's not like, here's the tune, I'll see you in a month, go uh, study up a part. Only every once in a while I'd be like, hey, you want to like sing on this? You just take it and come back to me when you like wrote lyrics and okay. stuff like that. That happened. Too. Oh, so you had outside uh, word writers. 
Uh, yeah, my roommate Luke. Uh, he's in his band Bueno. Um, he did like the second to last track, and and so I so I, you know I, I put him as like a credited him as a co-writer on that. So things like that happen. But I, I've been in a lot of other bands too, where there was various amounts of um, collaboration and not, and, and there being like leaders. Well, you were saying like, have you ever been in a band with your dad? Um, I was in his band for like five years or something. Wow. Uh, Speed the Plow, who were friends with the Feelies. And, um, that's right, that's right. We're in bands together and all this stuff. Uh, and that's how I ended up, you know, knowing about the Feelies, and then I ended up recording their last album. Um, I think I told you this at a show once back then, and you are like, oh, shit. I love those guys. Oh, so no, it's a trip hi. because you got to understand, Dan, where I come from, there wasn't a mixing of generations like now. Like, for example, you asked me about Dick Watt tour. This yeah, drummer, yeah. this you know, Raul now has got a daughter, Soph, right? Him and Paloma has got little Soph, so he can't tour. Uh-huh. So I'm bringing this cat who's just a couple of months short of 40 years younger than me. I noticed that, yeah. yeah you know, yeah. This, shit, this shit didn't happen in the old days. <laughs> it's, a, it's a whole different thing. Uh, here, I want to play uh, Can't Forget, okay?
Waffle Pedro show. You heard uh, uh, Dan Francia doing Can't Forget. After that, uh, brand new from Galaxy Ferns from out in the desert here. Uh, in Between Dreams, Speed the Plow. Oh, yeah, so yeah. Speaking of which, we got some words about this. Uh, uh, we were talking off-air, people, you're going to hear in just a moment. Nosy from DMF, uh, frog, frog Dog with the Bee Sting, and finally Dan Francia with Planet Transit. Yeah, t- talk about pl- uh, Speed the Plow gigs and uh, people seeing what they see. Um, yeah, like um, people have mentioned to me um, how weird it is that like I'll be playing with older people like how what well, almost like as if it was an accomplishment um that, pe- that people didn't see often or like when members of speed the plow played in my group the dan francia band to do some of the solo eps yeah and i bring them to these gigs in brooklyn where the you know like it's all young people and um you have some less know. younger people yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know where I first, uh, you know where where I first saw that was when Raymond Pettibone would bring me to see the old beboppers, Elvin Jones, Mr. Ray Brown, Cecil McBee, Sam Rivers, Max Roach. Mm-hmm. These guys couldn't pay guys, right? They they got the young guys right out of college. Oh yeah, he said all the time. Was, Even this like is what I was seeing Stanley in the Clark's early eighties, right? I was seeing, and sometimes it wasn't too good. These guys were that, you know, the infamous Buddy Rich tapes, okay? But sometimes, you know, but the idea of uh, uh, Robbie Coltrane, first time I saw him play was in Max Roach's band. Uh, Delfeo, uh, Marcellus, you know, on the on the bone was with Max Roach, and and a kind of a mentor in a trippy way, you know. And I never saw that shit with rock and roll. Yeah, well, yeah, I just saw uh, Stanley Clark at the Blue Note maybe last year. All young. Young cats are shredding. Yeah, and um, so why can't they yeah. move over to the other kinds of uh, <laughs> let the freak flag fly music world, right? Yeah, well, Dick Watt tour, <laughs> Dick Watt tour, two thousand nineteen, and then with Tom Watson. This makes twenty years I've been playing with Tom Watson. Oh, he's great. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I, Tom I, Watson goes back with you and... uh, to a band called. Uh, even before Slovenly, there was a band called Toxic Shock that D. Boone put on a gig with them opening. You know, Tom, oh, Tom's cool. Manhattan Beach, about 17 miles from here, and he's about five years younger. But in a way, Tom's almost my closest link, uh, who I still play with, to the old days. It's pretty oh, incredible. Man. But still open for a guy, yeah, big man, just turned 22. So mm. I, I, in a way, it's almost a political statement, I feel. Yep. You know, why should sh- music have to have these kind of limitations about either genre, or which is a bullshit word, or gender, which mm-hmm. is kind of s- squirrely and whatever, and then ageism, ageist, as uh, yep. like racist. Huh? So uh, instead of just talking about thought, it, watch, uh, trying to make a positive example out of it. But that's bitching that... In a parallel universe, you were doing the same thing with your fucking pop and those Feelies people, which, you know, Bill and Glenn, and I dig them very much. Yeah, yeah, they, um, I always tell them when, I, you know, I told Glenn, hey, I'm going to be on Watts Radio Show. He's like, oh, this is fucking great. He always told me, he's like, yeah, just email him. I was like, what? What are you talking about? I'm not going to email Watt. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, just get in contact with him. I'm like, what? That's the way it happened in the old days. Well, we didn't have the email, but wow. You live in Pedro? Yeah, you guys are going to try to do a pump gig in Pedro? 
Yeah, do you want to open? That's how we met the Black Flag guys. We end up SSTOO too. We didn't know those guys. Yeah, that's the way it happened. Crazy. When you got a scene that's open enough, and it's usually kind of rare thing. <laughs> but look, just because I never step in stone, I thought if it was good enough for those old days, why can't it be good for these days? So what? Um, like I got in or whatever. You know, I got in the boat with fucking the flag guys. And what, I just sh uh, slammed the hatch behind me? No, so Glenn, is Bill still in Florida? Yeah, yeah, he's in Florida. But, but they're, they're absolutely right, because, you know, we, in those days, our scene was so small, you know, of course. But uh, what was it called? Eyes, uh, Fossi Law was one side, and then... Uh, oh, okay, yeah. Um, the they had the other drummer man then. For Anton. Yeah, yeah, and the other bass player. Um, other bass player, too, that's right. It was the yeah, other bass yeah, player. Yeah. They did have Anton. Raised eyebrows. Raised eyebrows. We're at the end of uh, oh, Hour yeah. 2, 2019, July 14. This Walk Peter, so special guest, Dan Francis. Hold tight for Hour 3. July 14, 2019. It's the third hour of the Walk for Pedro show.
Mott for Pedro Show. We start off the third hour with Dan Francia doing Fuck It, Forgiveness. And then Fofum, which was a, I think this band did one gig. And this is the prac for that one gig. And Teenage Mothers, there's Dirk Vandenberg uh, singing there and doing percussion. He took the photograph for Double Nickels on the Dime. After that was Crane, Timmy. He was a bass player in Dirk's band called Tragic Comedy that uh, New Alliance put out. Another umbrella, Zesty Calls. That's got the late great Richard Derrick along with Crane. Farrell in the Underground after that with You Go to Dream. And finally, Plutonium Farmers with Smokestack. Dan Francia here talking about his journey through music. Uh, Plutonium Farmers? I, is that where I think it is from, from uh, Austin? Absolutely. I stayed at that guy's house. That happens. Shit like that happens, Dan. Back in 2011, I think it was my first tour. uh, And uh, they gave me the record. I still got it. It's a crazy record. Yeah, yeah. But if you got a crazy record, it might get played on the Watt from Pedro. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? If you got a Merce record, probably ain't going to get played on the Watt from Pedro. If it's weird, you got a good chance. And, uh, That's cool! Wow. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, the Gears—they had an incredible lyric, right? Don't be afraid to pogo. Don't be afraid to relate. If it wasn't for this kind of music, you wouldn't be in this place. <laughs> Inspiration. Who is that? The Germans. The Gears. Kind of uh, like—they both start with G's, but a little different. Uh, okay, yeah. And uh, <laughs> they were—it was, it was some of the guys from uh, the Controllers. With some of the guys from. Uh, the Drivers, I think. Dave Drive, oh, okay. the drummer. A big influence on Kay, she told me. Dave Drive, uh, her playing drums, uh, learned her how to be better bass. Yeah, because some people, they think that the bass guitar, and maybe you can relate to this, it's kind of like a guitar. When in, in, Even though it's got strings and frets and shit, thank you, Leo Fender, it's actually more like a drum in some ways. Yep. It really is. It's um, a trippy thing, man. For sure, it's goddamn grout. Now, that makes for great politics, too, because you look good, making the you other what, cats um, look good. You know what, Marcus Miller, I, I heard him uh, say in an interview recently, he goes, yeah, when, when there's a bass solo, I don't want, like, melodic shit like everyone else's just solo just did. What's the point of that? Like, when it comes to the bass thing, that's got to be a rhythmic thing. Wow, you know, I just read this thing Stanley <laughs> Clark said. Anybody can do a bass solo. What's really hard is writing. <laughs> what's really hard is writing a good bass line. This is Mr. Stanley Clark. I love that man. Yeah, after all the years, this was something recent. He said, and much respect got, to Mr. Miller too. Yeah, yeah, he got me going uh, really early on. I was copying all like school days. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. Like I would read Bass Player magazine and just like all these albums. You got to hear uh, Victor and this and that. He had a step. Um, a, a step. This lady, I did a gig, and after the gig, this lady said she was his stepdaughter, and she said to me, "You know what? You don't play bass." I said, "Well, I'm trying." No, no. <laughs> she goes, "What you do is you fuck the bass." Oh, hey, I want to play uh, ghost stories.
introduce our tears or years Let's just say I'm breathing Cause at the count of a calling Numbers lose their meaning I'm a whole bad song Hang by series 1894 In the noise and confusion Two bits began tossing Through my name in the Hudson So I could go ashore Started thinking in English Became a citizen But for my marriage tradition Asked the father's permission Fifty years with one woman Twenty-five alone Twenty-five alone Oh, I don't know how wise you get Listening to my experiences We old folks claim to be that way Wisdom is just memory With a touch of grace Never missed a rally at my union hall To shout and be a speaker, just a marcher, not a leader But I left my press in Mitzvah when the strike was called Saved a house from the banker, the world had crashed to dust an honest mind was desperate But I'll tell you a secret We made wine in the basement A little hot much Twice I blacked out my windows Should the bombers come Twice the flags and the cheering Turned to reason morning The only two times I was glad I'd had no son Touch the 
Watch for Pedro Show. Ghost Stories, Dan Francia. Last music for this edition. Chris Butler with Touch of Grey, his demo. Uh, Seafield, Rip Run, right at uh, Japan. The Leftist, Pretty Little Thing. Midwestern Medicine, who's actually from Portland, Maine. But don't tell them. Puppy Dreams. And finally, Pass It On, Dan France. And I didn't know this, but Dan France here, people, made a bass album. Yeah, I made a solo bass album. Um, well, solo bass sounds like one bass. Yeah, it was. No overdubs. That's it. It's just yeah. one bass. Because, yeah, you know, yeah. I had to talk about this record I did called Ball Hugger Tugboat. Oh, what? Your solo album. There's 48 mother- other motherfuckers on there. Mm-hmm. It ain't really solo. <laughs> Well, yeah, I did the same shit, and honestly, I would. I was thinking about putting like a moniker or a name or something, but I could. We couldn't think of one. Like the people I was playing with, they were kind of like, "Let's do a real band or whatever." I was like, "Fine, what, what are we gonna call it?" But then I ended up making the whole thing myself, anyways. Basically, so I think you get to call it shot uh, <laughs> solo if you're the shot caller. <laughs> well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this, but, right, this bass bass, album. But, but this bass album actually is a solo album. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually played um, one of your bass lines on it because, well, at the time I had seen um, your group El Sonio del Mar. How do you, how do you? El Sonio del Marinaio. Yeah, and and um, it means I love the that sa- song. It means the sailor's dream. Right, right. So you could say the that song. Um, I don't know. I forget what it's called now. But I was playing that. I was going to put it on my album. But you then know, read, you know, you got to know, Dan. Though it's different than Missing Man or Second Man, because that's not actually my band. In that band, I actually collaborate. What I right, found, right, I found right. there's three ways, actually four ways to do this music trip. You take direction. You know, like with Stooges, for example, and that where you take the place of the dead guy, right? Or you take direction, mm-hmm. like with Mike Baguetta, he's actually writing new material. This guy is kind of like a Nels Klein guitarist. I saw that tour. That yeah, right, right. So that's, I'm taking direction, but I'm not replacing the dead guy. And then there's given direction, like me and my operas. That's usually I put my name in there. And then there's something where yeah. I give it a name, like uh, those guys let me use Italian for a Sonia de Marinaio. And uh, I only write a third of that stuff. It, really, the guitar man, Stefano Palia, got that thing going. I've been thinking about that a lot. You had mentioned this uh, And what I think is uh, doing all four roles is very healthy. I know our society says, no, be the boss. That's the goal of everything. Just be the boss. But you can't learn everything being the boss. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're always yeah. getting your fucking way. <laughs> okay, so I think it's healthy to rotate the f- four different modes, the four different roles. I used to think it was three. Now I think it's four. Yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot because, like, Speed the Plow, for example, you know, this guy John basically wrote the songs. I'm, like, supporting it. Then I got my shit where it's, like, my name. And, um, and yeah, you're, you're saying how it's it's good and you learn from all of them and how, like, the Stooges, like, you know, was, you always say, like, was such an incredible classroom. And, um I think about that all the time, yeah. But I, I sometimes I fill in for bands. Like, you need a bass player for a gig? Okay. Like, I've done that a couple of times, too. Yeah, but that's more like a take direction thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's interesting uh, to do that as well. But take a direction, like, for example, when I 
Glenn Branca came to uh, SoCal to do his Hallucination 13. And there were 64 guitars, 20 basses, one drummer. Oh, shit, did you see that? I was part of it. Oh, shit. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? some of those videos. And, and you know what? I'm going to tell Glenn Branca how to run this fucking thing. Fuck no, I take <laughs> the direction, right? And I'm yeah, not actually yeah. replacing the dead guy. I'm actually involved in... But replacing the dead guy is interesting, too. Especially like Stooges, where you had almost everybody there except David Alexander. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... And then other things, too, like Porno for Pyro with Pear, Peter Perk, or with uh, Jay Maskis. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now I've d- yeah. I got to do it with Taff Falco. Oh, my God. And now I Mike saw Baguetta. that as well, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've always loved playing with that uh, his music. And then when I got asked for that opportunity. Anyway, about you, Dan, where can people find you on the Internet? Uh, basically Bandcamp, I guess. I, I started a uh, Twitter and an Instagram. It, and a but there's Facebook no Dan Francia website yet? Here's the thing. I'm so pro-website. I had a website for the band I was in before this, and it was like my big thing, and nobody else in the band thought it mattered. And um, I just launched like all the other shit because I made this full-length album. I really want a website. I Good. and. I, I mean, you can go to those other things, too. To me, it seems like uh, just stapling flyers on other people's telephone poles. But you need your own fanzine. No no filter. No middleman. That's my issue. Is it's all the same shit, and everyone releases like their singles and all this stuff, and it's all through the same like avenues. And, and you know those website, things are going to crash. And, and, and you know, Dan, those things are going to crash and burn. True. What was that thing called? My waste. What was that thing called? My waste of space place. <laughs> yeah, MySpace. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I lost. I lost some albums during that crash. You heard about that, right? They crashed. They lost all these records between. That's the, why we need our own fancy. I thought it was going to relate <laughs> totally from fan the internet. To me, it was the same ethics. It was going to relate from seventies punk fanzine to the you know. But oh, yeah, I was wrong. Everybody still great. wanted I mean, to hang so out much, at the worst uh, places. Anyway, look, Dan, it's been a big honor to have you on the show. I can't wait for your next batch of tunes. Can we talk about it when you put it out? All right, that sounds great. Thanks. It's beautiful. Yeah. And in the meantime, we'll be waiting for our DanFrancia.com, but it ain't here yet. <laughs> so we got to go yeah. to Shitter or Instant Ham or uh, Fake Look, right? No problem. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. And we'll be also seeing you come to people's aid when they need a fucking bass man or, or somebody to, to pull it out in the bottom of the ninth mm-hmm. okay that's a that that's a skill man they're all skills we got to get a, a bigger picture thing that's one thing life's shown me god we got to get a bigger picture there's all kinds of ways to work the bass to write the song to deliver the good time yeah all right for sure thanks for let me be your teammate, Dan. All right, thanks, Wat. Thanks People, it's me. been July 14th, 2019, Digital Wife Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry.